Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined as I am every Thursday morning on this very podcast. My good friend and fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It I'm having to say good back. evening when I introduce it as the morning, and it's like, well, it's because it goes up in the morning, so it's just like one of those weird things. It's, it's. I'm always time traveling on this podcast. So should I say good morning? Is that what we're getting at? No, because then we're just <laughs> then it's just like all kinds of extra confusing. I don't know. I don't know a way it's around funny. this. But yeah, welcome. That's a very un untime sensitive greeting. I don't like welcome. Like, <laughs> are you someone like? What is your introduction when someone comes over? A new person? Do you say welcome to my home? Like, what is your what is your way of bringing someone in Good in question. the house? I'd probably say like, "How's it going, man?" I don't know. I think I say "Come on in." I think that's come something. Come on in. Yeah, come like just come on, on in. in. Is that? I think that sounds good, right? Is "Come on in" okay? I mean, I guess what at what point of the interaction are we talking about? Are they not in the house yet? They're not they're in the not house. That's out. what I'm saying. Like when they're, they're standing yeah, at the yeah, door no, and you've no, opened no, the door, like do you say welcome? Come on! Like I don't know what 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 is your way of doing? I would it? probably say, hey, how's it going, guys? Come on in. I think come on in is a normal thing to to say to somebody, unless you don't want them to come in the house. Mm. <laughs> I just I I feel weird about it because I'm like I really generally speaking don't want you in. Like if you're over, you're, I probably don't want. You. <laughs> Because then it's like this whole social interaction that I'm not trying to do anyway. So, um, I don't know. Now I feel bad for anyone who's going to come over to my house and they're like, does Chase actually want us over here? Um, cause Clearly I feel, not. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, it's a lot. Like, it, you, I feel like you're more on edge when you have people in your house, right? Like, you are more on your game and you're like nervous about how everything looks and you want to make sure that everything's cool and they're happy. It's just, I don't know, you kind of have to be in a, in a different headspace. Yeah, true that. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Matt Green, baseball's over. Baseball, like, we, we joked, like, what were we going to do if the Braves were in game seven tonight? Like, what, how the recording schedule go? We didn't have to do that because the Braves, uh, they're the World Series champions, sir. Absolutely, sir. And that was, a, that was an amazing night last night. Bravos. Just Atlanta fans and Georgia sports fans, you know, you're just waiting on that second shoe to drop as they is that this expression waiting mm-hmm. for the shoe to drop i think it's the second um, shoe to drop right yeah sure but yeah you're <laughs> waiting for something bad to happen we're up seven to zero and just nothing bad ever happened it was like are, is this is this allowed are we allowed to win this so it was awesome jorge soler world series mvp gotta love it the four acquisitions yeah just it was ridiculous what they did for the braves it was awesome i was i was five years old last time the braves what were you three four four Mm -hmm. there you go um yeah so i don't really remember i honestly remember the next year a Hmm. lot more 96 because i was andrew jones and everything Mm -hmm. like that's like almost when my like memory sports memory like starts with the olympics and andrew jones so like 95 i just barely miss it so it's awesome getting that getting that first championship feel went down to the battery sunday night but um how was that unfortunately we couldn't party that night it was insanely packed so like i didn't realize i don't know if this was the case friday and saturday and then they changed it on sunday or something but you had to have there was a gate to get inside like the close battery 
right? So like all of it's the battery, and so there's people everywhere, but like only people with tickets on Sunday could get like closer. So like it's that like last block that's like closest to the stadium. Like there's like a gate, and you like couldn't get in that part. So that was weird. I didn't really understand that. But uh, I guess maybe the crowds on Friday and Saturday were just just so insane that they had to try to keep the numbers down. But yeah, I mean there was like different TV, like huge screens set up like all around the battery, just people everywhere. It was it was cool. But it would have been nice if if that would have been the night, all the partying happened. But they were uh, they were killing it last night. That's for sure. It looked like a a mess. I will say it looked like a mess last night. What time did you go to sleep? Oh man, I probably went to bed at like two or something. Just like, cause I didn't realize the coverage. I was watching like the local stuff after mm-hmm. the game, but FS1 was picking up like all the after party and everything, like the post game celebration. They were the ones that actually got to go in the locker room and everything. So it's like I started watching that late, and that ended, and they just started showing it again. I was like, I just kept watching it again. I was like, this is awesome. The Braves just won the championship. Like, there's so many likable guys on our in our group too like listening to freed and freeman and dansby and i don't know this is just a really really likable group man like how do you not love brian snicker well there was some weird so look my family group chat has been going off all week and um all brace fans in the family and we were we were all texting back and forth and um I think one of my uncles threw out like, oh, NL man or manager of the year. And I'm like, okay, see, we don't have to go. We don't have to do this. Like he had some awful moves in this playoff run. Like he's not manager of the year. The manager of the year is Gabe Kapler for what he did with the Giants. Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler didn't win a ring. He didn't win a ring. You're right. But like Brian Brian Snicker Snicker is like the easiest manager of all time to root for. Like the baseball lifer, the dude who grinded his tail off forever forever. 40 years and never thought he was going to get the shot and just never gave up his dream. Like that's a, an amazing story. Like Brian Snicker has one of the all time great baseball stories. So he's an easy guy to root for, but like, do I think he's an elite manager? No. What? No. What is an, what does a manager even do? Like there, I don't even know what an elite manager is. Like if you don't have great players, you're not going to win anything. Like, well, that's why the giants, like they were not an elite team. The giants won 106 games and they were not elite. I mean, they were obviously an elite team. They were they were a great team. They just lost a five game series. You know, it's like I feel like baseball is the worst sport. I feel like to overreact to like just small sample sizes. Mm. You know, it's yeah. like even if the Braves would have lost, no, I think the, the ba- Dodgers, football might be worse. But I feel like even if the Braves would have lost to the Dodgers, like in seven games or something, in an mm. LCS, it's like people that want Snicker fired, like that would have been so dumb. Like, what is like this team wasn't supposed to get this far and they they got even further so i don't know just people have like such gut reactions when it comes to managers and it's like if if whoever they're bringing into the bullpen like if they have a good bullpen it'll probably work if they have a bad bullpen it probably won't work you know it's like so i don't know i just i don't i never know how much credit or blame to really give a a baseball manager but then you have a team that won a world series with a bad bullpen like the nationals won with an all-time bad bullpen like we don't really know like baseball is just so weird in october it's so unpredictable um it was it was nice because like i don't think this is going to be a thing like i don't think the braves are built to spend and have this kind of sustainability where they're competing for world series every year like I think this was awesome. I enjoyed it. Like it's going to be like we're world champs forever, but like 
I don't think this is going to be like a sustainable like ten year run type deal. Like I don't think they're going to pay enough. Like know, if you want to do it, you they're have to pay more. Freddie though, Even I don't think he's don't staying. Think they're going to. No, I think they're he's locking gone. him down. No chance Freddie's leaving. Well, the thing about Freddie is Acuna for like another five six years. Like this this core is together for a while, and the Braves just. The Braves just seem like that, just one of the top organizations in terms of just playing playing the money ball game, you know, just... Well, we don't encourage that. Like, I don't encourage that behavior, um, especially in bigger markets like Atlanta. You shouldn't encourage that behavior, Matt Green. They're, they're a big market team, but mm-hmm. they're their ownership doesn't spin like it so. yeah but you don't encourage that you don't go yeah i'm great i'm glad that we're doing great money ball stuff no 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 no, no. you you rail no, against that you have to you have to applaud the moves though like alex anthopolis yes ownership anthopolis no making great moves. i'm saying in general the braves are just like a, they are they're a team a franchise that just tends to have a great farm system and mm-hmm. make like the not sexy move that works. Like how often do the Braves bring in like a 38 year old pitcher who used to be good? Well, Frank Redden was doing like that kind of stuff. Four years, and then the one year they have him, he's good. Like Shelby Miller's like only good year in the major leagues Oof. for the Braves. Like the Aaron Harangs and like Freddie Garcias of the world. It's like the Braves seem to be so good at just going and getting random people and just like getting the best out of them. I mean, this run is all guys who are not going to be back. Like my, <laughs> like Solaire probably not back. Rosario definitely not back. Um, Duvall, we'll see. I think it depends on the universal DH. And then it's like at the Ozuna, like he should never play baseball again. I don't know how you get rid of that contract. We're not, what, we're not worried about all that. That 2022, we'll let that happen. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like this was an all-time run. With, we got an all-time run. Like who would have had Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, like just this run, like losing Morton, losing Acuna. Like you said, it was just like the confluence of events and for them to still win it all is just it's amazing and it's like why we watch sports and why you can keep buying in and it was a good testament to not giving up in the middle of the season because they could have they could have folded they could have sold parts they could have traded freeman at the deadline i mean like we lost to cunha they could have traded morton at the deadline yeah so So i mean lock him up braves just making great moves gotta love it i'm i'm here for it and hey we're we're world champs um that's cool have you got any merch yet I have not. Okay. I need to uh, I need to jump on that. Yeah, I think the actually I think the sports renaissance woman is ordering a hoodie as we speak. Um Matt. Those hoodies are sick. The hoodies are sick. Um so we have some news we gotta get through on on this very program. Um we gotta get through our week nine pickup because Matt Green chose the Atlanta Braves over the Chase Thomas podcast on Sunday night. And let the record show. Chase was he was sitting here in his his office chair staring at his beautiful setup his his pictures his nfl helmets all around him his part view brookwood helmet his falcons helmet his university of north georgia uh, license plate his tennessee license plate his 1998 nfc champion atlanta falcons sticker the nighthawks Mm -hmm. you heard uh they just beat georgia state in uh bat no women's basketball there you go go nighthawks Uh, eating georgia state that's uh that's big time but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your uh, you're painting a picture there. I, I was, but hey, I will always take an interruption for uh, for our Nighthawks, our Nighthawks. Go Nighthawks. Um No, but yeah, you weren't you weren't here, but it's okay, Matt. It's over. Baseball's over and our focus sure. is back to college football. Um I let, so, uh, I let our listeners down. You it's know, okay. I was hoping to be part of some some chaos on Sunday night. We ended up getting that chaos on Tuesday night. I was not a part of it, but I did watch it on TV. 
it's okay, Matt. It's okay. We did it. We did it. Um, so walk us through what uh, what ended up happening in our pick'em this weekend. Well, um, as you know, it was a real crossroads. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of a lot of disagreements on the pod. It was good for one of us. It was not so good for the other one. I'm really nervous. And I will just say this was my best week of the, oh, entire, no. of the entire season. Your boy went nine and two overall, ten and one against the spread. Ten and one, sir. <laughs> and uh, you went four and seven overall and three and eight against the spread. Oh. Zeus also got back in the win. <laughs> Mississippi State, his home dog of the week, absolutely blowing out Kentucky. Mm. He's two for two now and picking Mississippi State as the home dog, so this hurts yeah. me. So it was um now on the season I'm at fifty five hold on. Let me add that up again. <laughs> I will I'll let you go. I'll add that up later. We'll get to that later when we get into the pickup. Man. Well, one of us had to fall after this weekend. One of us had to fall, Matt Green. And unfortunately, it had to be me. But hey, week nine or week 10, rather, is a new week, a new opportunity for me to get back on track. And we might have some disagreements. I don't know. I feel like this week we're not going to have as many, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, you wanted to hit Georgia, Florida, though, from from this weekend. I talked to Graham Coffey, our friend of the pod, um, for a while yesterday about the Georgia, Florida game and taking Georgia off national television. And he agreed with me on that. Um, at least until uh, the the SEC title game and outside of Tennessee, because I think people need to understand that Tennessee um, will give Georgia. I about to say we got a three thirty CBS game coming up. That's mm-hmm. a huge pod implications there. Very huge pod implications. I cannot wait. <laughs> and it's been it'll have been like almost a month since at home Tennessee football um, because we had Bama bye week at Kentucky and yeah that so it's, I mean let's just hope those Tennessee fans show up though right and that what we're worried about that uh we, we talked I about that too like I, I broke down that whole tweet I I like you, you and I were texting about it at the time where I almost had like an aneurysm reading through that <laughs> and I I just the ludicrousness of all of it and I just I can't wait um for Georgia fans to come in and be like oh wait they're all tickets like yeah it's gonna be packed with orange and white there's gonna be 101,000 Tennessee fans losing their absolute minds um not really worried about what you're referring to I don't know if people were listening Mm -hmm. to it was Logan Booker saying that if Tennessee loses to Kentucky Mm -hmm. there's gonna be a lot of red and black essentially at the Georgia Tennessee game and that we scheduled Tennessee or scheduled Georgia for our homecoming game to ensure that there is not a red takeover oh that's right yeah which that's and that's what I told you like Tennessee fans always show up that's Mm -hmm. honestly one of the reasons why they're so crazy is that despite all they've been through the last couple decades they're they're always there and let me be clear, Logan's, he's a friend of mine. He's cool. Like, he's cool with me. It's just the tweet. It set me off. I was really angry about it. It was dumb. And it was just one of those where I'm like, I, what, what was the need for this? Like, it felt like I felt pers- personally attacked for this. And I was just very <laughs> upset. And, like, the 10 points, like, and I got Graham. He agreed about the uh, Tennessee scoring the most amount of points on Georgia in the regular season this year. He's like, yeah, I, I think that's probably going to be the case. And I was like, oh, there we go. Baby steps baby steps i could see that but the most points on georgia this year would be 14 Mm -hmm. you know like that would be the most so i can 
I would almost bet money at this point that Tennessee will score the most points of any team on Georgia. That that seems like a good bet because I think they have a solid offense, but I don't see any team score more than, you know, seven, 14, 17 points on this Georgia defense, not at least until SEC championship or playoff. Well, yeah, and I think it will be one. Like, I think Tennessee will probably have one weird touchdown. I mean, we had it with the Baron strip sack. We blocked a punt. Like, remember how the game opened last year where the ball went directly over Stetson's head to start off the game and out of the end zone? Oh, that's and, right. It was a That was a disastrous start last year. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, that kind of stuff can happen. Like, I would not be surprised if Tennessee scores a touchdown or something like that in a weird play. Like, Stetson gets antsy, runs out of the pocket, throws a pick six or something. I could, I could see that. Um... But then again, we don't really do stuff like that. Tennessee doesn't really <laughs> force interceptions. What we do is force fumbles, and we don't fall on them very often. But the run defense is strong. We we, we have a week away before we have to do our deep That's dive. True. We got some time before we talk Georgia Tennessee. But I'm excited for it though. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. Are you coming up for it? I might. I might have to do that, man. Okay. Like uh, we got to make your plan, Sue. We gotta we gotta figure it out. That's true. Uh, um, but Georgia Florida, what thoughts yeah, did you have outside of it was a it was a snoozer. Yeah, I went to go do homework at the library during that game. I'm not gonna lie. Well, you missed a uh, you missed a good one, man. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, Florida gave Georgia a very good game. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think ultimately, my biggest takeaway from this game is that Stetson Bennett he didn't shut the door on JT Daniels. Like, I think Florida is such a big game, and you have this this crowd. Uh, you know this. However, whatever minority of the fan base it is, maybe it's 50-50, maybe it's less, saying you got to go with the hot hand. You know, Stetson Bennett has played X number of games. He needs to be the guy moving forward. Things are going well with him. But And Florida's a big win, you know, 34-7. But I think everyone knows Georgia didn't blow out Florida because of Stetson Bennett. So I think his performance versus Florida, like a very big game situation, Kind of gives you a better, even though this is a struggling Florida team, they're four and four now. It it's just it gave you that big game atmosphere, a, a team that's got a lot of talent that you're gonna play down the stretch. And Sets and Bennett just wasn't that good, so I think I think Saturday showed us that when, if JT Daniels is 100 percent healthy, I think he's got to get some snaps and and see if if he can be the guy because this offense looked really explosive in the few games we saw, other than Clemson. But uh, in the other games you saw JT Daniels play, I mean, this offense was hitting big plays. So that's that's probably my biggest takeaway, other than this this Georgia defense just being absurd. Like, I mean, Florida gave them a very good game. Georgia was struggling to move the ball in the first half, and it was, what, 3-0 to zero with two and a half minutes left in the second quarter, and then Georgia's defense just exploded and just became a turnover machine. And I think that the biggest thing that I know that I – took from all of those plays was the fact that on that first interception that's Trayvon Walker a defensive tackle defensive end hybrid kind of player getting his hand on the ball in coverage and then Nolan Smith your pass rushing outside linebacker getting the interception it's like this defense is just so absurdly like talented and versatile they're just athletes all over the place yeah and I, did, I just didn't think that Florida was going to give them that kind of a challenge. Like, they just didn't have enough. And Richardson was not nearly what he needed to be as a passer. Like, he's not anywhere near close. Like, he's just not close to being that and kind of player. This, this, would make, this is what honestly kind of gave me the vibe. And obviously, he got hurt, too. So, you didn't, 
know, he could have settled down maybe, but he just didn't do anything to really scare Georgia in the running game either. So this is what kind of gave me the thought that Dan Mullen, I feel like, knew Emory Jones was better than Anthony Richardson all along. You know, it's like Anthony Richardson might have made some wow plays, but there had to be a reason why Emory Jones was continuing to get all the starts. Like, obviously, Anthony Richardson got hurt there for a week or two, but as underwhelming as Emory Jones is and has been, I think the coaching staff knew all along that he was still better than Anthony Richardson. I think that's what's got to worry you the most as a Florida fan. It's like, well, if Emory Jones is actually the better option and Anthony Richardson isn't the future, like, uh, where where is this ship going exactly? Absolutely. Well, speaking of where the ship's going, Dan Mullen, is he on the hot seat? Do you think that this is trending in a situation where he cannot... He cannot navigate these these troubled waters anymore because I don't think he is yet. I think he's got one more year. And part of that is the circumstance that like if you look at the open jobs right now, I don't know where Florida ranks on that. And, the, and just there are other jobs that might open up later, too, that are better than Florida. We'll have to see. But like, I don't know. I'd be a little nervous about moving on from Mullen this year. I would probably give him one more and then just be like, Grantham can't be back. I would start there. But I don't know what. What do you think? Is he on the hot seat? Well, see, I feel like logically he's not on the hot seat, right? Like, I feel like just what he's done on paper, you have year one. And what what is – Jim Mackwin was like four and seven, I think, last the last year at, at Florida. Mm-hmm. So you follow up your first year there, you go 10 and three, then an 11 and two, then an, an eight and four. It's misleading, you know, because of the Oklahoma game and the SEC championship shortened season. But – Call it eight and four. It would normally be a ten and four, right? And you went to the SEC championship, so that's growth every single year for the first three years, or growth in the second and the third year. And it's obviously a huge step backwards because it's four and four right now. If you rally, it's eight and four. I mean, they sh- if they end up eight and four, you know, I don't think there's any real hot seat talk if they go seven and five if they find a way to lose one of these games whether it's south carolina or or florida state or something then i think that's super alarming but but yeah what like what i was gonna say like on paper i don't feel like he really is on the hot seat but it feels like the intangibles like i kind of talked about the butch jones thing a few weeks back like i almost wonder if there's just so much negativity like Florida's just gonna like combust like from within you know like I just I almost wonder if if the wheels are gonna fall off and so I think that's the ultimate test is if the wheels fall off and it kind of gives that we talk in narratives you know and so usually players don't really give up on the team but if it kind of creates that that perception that the team is giving up on the coach then I think that's what's the most alarming thing. What was the anonymous coach that he said? Was it Feldman who reported on this? The anonymous coach assistant who said that like they just act like they're better than they actually are and don't know that they're not better. What was that quote? Do you know what I'm talking about? It was something, yeah, it was something along those lines and and just about Florida like not playing hard Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So I don't know. It it feels like there's so many. And then you're just hearing these other just – now like just anecdotes all over the place like i i was listening to to another podcast that was talking about well we've known for years that dan mullen didn't interview well that he 
he did really poorly on an interview at Miami years ago and at Tennessee years ago, and that's why he didn't get those jobs. And so it took a guy who already knew him from his days of working under Urban Meyer that that he finally got that bigger job. So it's like, well, I've never heard this, you know? Like, is this not like a, this is something where we haven't talked about a lot. Is this guy just, he kind of rubs people the wrong way? Is that is that all it is? They just don't like his personality? like. That might explain why he struggles to to recruit uh, high school kids too, you know. So I don't know that that seems like a damning a damning aspect uh, to it. It's like if you're if you're not a good recruiter, you can hire you can get a staff built of of guys that can recruit better. You know that that's something that Florida has to be able to improve on. There's just so much talent in that state to be had, and Miami and Florida State aren't even juggernauts right now. But if your personality is just something that people don't like, like, I don't really know where you go from there. Like, I don't know that that's the case, but that's honestly what it sounds like when you hear a lot of people talk about him. Yeah, I um, I was texting with the, the family about this where I'm like, I just, I don't know if you and I discussed it too, but just being like, if you just stayed at Mississippi State, like, he's just a god there. Like, he is regarded as just the an all-time great coach. And I think Mullen just, if he's not going to fix the recruiting stuff and he's going to give those weird comments about it's not recruiting time yet, then he doesn't belong at Florida. Like, it's one of those things where you can't have both. But at Mississippi State, yeah, this, all, this is all fine. Like, you can do this. Like, you got Mississippi State to number one in the nation, which may literally never happen again. Um, the odds are against it ever happening again. Like, he could have held that forever. Um, that all being said, this is just going the wrong way. I don't see it turning around, but I also just think that like, there are only a handful of schools, Matt, where it's like their expectations should be crazy. And Florida is one of them. I still think Florida is a school where it's like, no, the expectation should be the Urban Meyer Gators, the Spurrier Gators. Like that should actually be the expectation. And I would not go, hey, that's a little, you're shooting a little high there. I might want to reassess. Like I have to do with Tennessee fans all the time where I'm like, hey, is the state of Tennessee getting better in high school football yet? Are we getting more five stars here yet? No. Then, hey, we got to adjust our expectations because that's just not reality. Um what is reality is Florida being in the recruiting bed that it's in, having the options that it has. I just, the, you, I understand why Florida fans are like, no, it's 11 wins compete. We should be competing with Georgia year in, year out. Like this is unacceptable. Great offenses, too many great athletes in this state. We should lock this state down, this, that, and the other. Um, if you want to keep cycling through coaches, I get it. But I'm also like, you just went through Muschamp and McIlwain. Like you, you had Ron Zuck. You've only hit on one coach in the 21st century, and that was Urban. That was it. And I think if you're going to... And they've honestly only kind of hit on two coaches maybe ever. Yeah. Those are really... That's that's the extent of, of great Florida football. It's the 90s and the 2000s. Exactly. So I'm just like, you better be careful. I'm just saying like, I would be careful with Mullen because I'm like, he has his problems. We both don't really dig his personality. But like, what we saw last year, I mean, it was an elite team. Like, they still finish with what, four losses but they weren't real because like they had the bowl game where no one played and they lost to Bama in the SEC title game but like they were close like they were better than their their losses ended up showing um they were you could make the case they were number four or number five team in the country so with that being said like that's really yeah, that's hard fair. to do for a lot of teams um obviously lost a bunch of talent they lost Tony they lost Pitts they lost Tress they lost dudes everywhere um not an excuse but it's a reality and 
I would like to see what happens next year. Like, give him one more year. But I also am just like, like you said, they have actually don't have a great track record outside of Spurrier and Meyer. So I'm like, unless you were dang sure you've got the next Urban sitting behind him, the next guy who's going to transform this recruiting scene and really, really get Florida back on the map map and challenge Georgia and challenge Kirby. I don't know, man. I'd be nervous. I see. I understand that. And going back to the first part that you said, like I've heard, like I know Chris Doring was a was a person that I heard kind of say what you're talking about, like about the expectations being unrealistic at Florida. And I was I felt a certain way, like when he said that too. It's like this is Florida. Like you're four and four. Like we're not talking about you got blown out by Alabama and you got blown out by Georgia, so you suck now. It's like. You lost to Kentucky also. You lost to an LSU team that was firing their coach. They had like 50 scholarship players. Like all of their best players had like opted out or, or hurt or something. It's like you're you're having like embarrassing losses. And and it's also like this is year four of Dan Mullen. Like this is supposed to be now, now he's, he's the guy in the entire operation. And now we're taking a step back. Like this seems like a strange time for us to be taking a step back. And also the guy we call the quarterback whisperer guru. It's like we have Emory Jones who's been in the system for, what, three or four years. Anthony Richardson has been in the system for a few years. Like we don't we don't know what 2022 is going to look like. We There's nothing to think that Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones are now going to be stars in 2022. Like they could definitely improve. Like guys improve over their time in college. But there's nothing to be super confident about 2022. So I like I understand the the mindset of who are you going to get because that ultimately is what it comes down to. And and to your point, the LSU and USC thing that's definitely big. I don't off the top of my head, I don't know of any other job bigger than Florida that's going to open up. But to be the third best job on the market, like it is their job. Like someone in Florida's athletic department to figure out who the guy is you know and just because but do you trust scott strickland to make that hire see that's tough but it's like you just can't have that mentality right it's like i don't know if you're like the detroit lions and you always make a bad first round pick it's you don't just you don't just trade all your first round picks well Well, see they're a good example they should have never fired jim caldwell like that dude won consistently it wasn't it wasn't uh, aesthetically pleasing, but that dude won. They have come nowhere close to the success that they had with Caldwell. Like, moving on from him was preposterous. No, and that's probably true, but if you're not satisfied with the job the current guy is doing, I think you have to make a move and then kind of figure it out after that. Like, I don't know, like, you shouldn't just, <laughs> you shouldn't just stay with this guy because you're worried about finding, you can't find anything better. Like, I don't know that... It seems like relationship advice I just gave there. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, maybe it's you're like, hey, if we give Jamie Chadwell our Florida resources, he reinvigorates the program. He invigorates the offense, everything. And hey, everything's booming. It's like, that's a possibility. Um, but I don't I think know. The perception of Florida's taken a hit, but it's not like it's not still a premier job. That, it's a top 10 job. Yeah. That guy like Jamie Chadwell, like you said, or Billy Napier, like... Mm-hmm. They've second get they they've probably hesitated about taking some of those mid level power five jobs holding out for something better. It's like this Florida that's the something better they're holding out for. Like that's a big time job, and the right guy's got to be able to recruit. Like Florida, we've always seen Florida recruit. So 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, 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 I think Dan Mullen has to have another year ultimately to answer our question, but it feels like there's weird things going on. It's like Jim McElwain. Like, people just didn't like him, so he was gone, you know? Like, there was all kinds of... Like, he won the East his first two years there, and then by year three, he was out of there. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Michigan State over Michigan, Ohio State over Penn State in the Big Ten this weekend. Um, any strong takes on either of those? The Michigan-Michigan State game was so much fun. That was my favorite game. of. Yeah, that it was may have odd. been my favorite was... game of the season thus far. That really was. I thought early on, I was like, wow, Michigan Michigan is bringing it. I wasn't really expecting, you know, that the the passing attack they showed in that game. But Michigan State answered. I think Kenneth Walker third has to uh, put himself right at the, at the top of that Heisman race right now. He just had a monster game. But I felt like my biggest takeaway from the weekend from all from both of those games was that Ohio State, I don't know if they're head and shoulders the best team in the Big Ten. Like, I was kind of surprised how much Penn State was able to to stay with Ohio State. I think Mich- I could I could definitely see Michigan State or Michigan beating Ohio State this year. Hmm. And I didn't think that before the weekend. I thought Ohio State was kind of separating themselves. Now I think it's a little closer than I thought. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I would bet on Ohio State over Michigan State, but I, I'm like you. I mean, I could see it going the opposite way, but I mean, if I had to guess, I would I would err on the side of Ohio State. I mean, I, yeah, I would still bet Ohio State. I guess I just mean in terms of my perception. Mm-hmm. I had them. I had them as the clear number one, and it it might not be quite as clear as I originally thought. Fair, fair. Um, Auburn, not dead. You say, not dead. You say, Auburn is not dead, and I think. I, I brought this up to you a few weeks back that, like, pretty early on when people were really low on Auburn after losing to Penn State and Georgia, that they could turn out to be the second-best team in the West. And I think everyone agreed that Ole Miss was the second-best team in the West. So I think now you got to put Auburn there. And they're in control of their own fate, as they say. Uh, if they run the table, they only have the one conference loss. Um, I mean – they could be a two-loss team going to the playoff. Honestly, if they win all the, if they won all their games, but ultimately, I just the Iron Bowl looks like it's actually going to matter this year. So I think none of us were really expecting that. For sure, for sure. Um, the last thing in that group, Matt Corral. You think his Heisman candidacy is dead? I don't know if you knew this or not, but he shaved his head to go full swag, Kelly. Oh, did he? He did. Man, that, he did. It's not the. That's not the real the California look uh, he was going for. You know, I mean, I Herbert I did the about. same thing in L.A. I, uh, I haven't seen the picks, but um, mm. I, I don't agree with the, the decision. <laughs> but you know, what do I know? But yeah, I just feel like the Matt Corral Heisman talk is is got to be officially dead. Like he's he's a solid quarterback. Like he's he's been very good this year. But I think that's all he's been is good. Like in. Three games versus non-SEC teams. He was completing almost 70% of his passes, nine touchdowns, no picks, 332 yards per game. So basically three touchdowns a game, no picks. In five SEC games, he's completing 64% of his passes, six touchdowns to just two picks, and he's throwing two for 201 yards per game. Like, six touchdowns in five games, 200 yards a game, like... I think Stetson Bennett's probably got better numbers than that right now versus SEC competition. Like, I wouldn't suggest Stetson Bennett's better than Matt Corral, but I think he just, 
he's and and that's not even including what he's done on the ground. He's he's definitely been making a lot of plays running the ball, but with this team now, you know, they're they're not going to really compete for anything substantial. It, was that three losses now or is that just two losses for Ole Miss? Yeah. That's two. just their second. Yeah, it's two, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's just the second loss, but I think now they're not even, you know, near the top of the the SEC West anymore, so yeah, I think that's over. I think that the Matt Corral story, no chance he wins the Heisman now. Mm. I think it's probably fair. I don't even want to pretend, though, to have a strong Heisman take. I have no idea. It changes week to week. This is the that's... most wide open the Heisman's been in forever. And I honestly don't even like when people talk the Heisman too early, so I don't even want to don't even want to be that guy. But I guess we're in week nine, week ten now, so we're we're getting closer. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Smith isn't a Heisman winner without the Waddle injury. Um yeah, it's, yeah, that's crazy to think about. Jalen Waddle was legit like the best player on their team, and he got hurt, and a different player won the Heisman. That was a, a Tennessee game, wasn't it? Am I misremembering that? Oh, you know, I can't even remember. I, think he yeah, broke... I thought it was earlier than that. I, I want to say it was the Tennessee game. I'm pretty uh, sure. Last year's schedule was weird, though, so I'm not sure. Um, yeah, right. I could be wrong, but I feel like it was the Tennessee game. Uh, the college football playoff rankings actually no let's let's hit these two coaching things real quick and then we'll do the college football rankings and get into our pick them um pj fleck got an extension at minnesota through 2028 um tcu fired a coach that they have a statue for outside um the stadium that's crazy right this is why you don't build statues when the person's still alive right it was it was a mutual part no it's a firing no you don't mutually part ways midway through the season it's not how this works all those breakups where both people agree at the exact same time that they no longer want to be in a relationship (laughs) that's that that happens all the time yeah and the fact that lincoln Riley was like that's not right it i think he said it ain't right like what happened to him yeah that sounds like a mutual part yeah like i don't think so yeah i'm sure that's that is crazy like what do you say when you have a statue? You're like, I'm taking the statue with me. Right? <laughs> I mean, he still statue. remade um, TCU football. He's a coaching legend. He's one of the best defensive minds in college football ever. Um, but the TCU teams were falling behind. And it's just a tough world, man. Like, college football is a tough, tough world. And the demands all across the country, with more money, becomes more responsibility, it comes with more pressure. And I think TCU thinks that they can do bigger. I think that they think that they can be the kings of the new Big 12. Um, and they might be right. They have a lot of money there. They have more money than Texas Tech. I could see them looking at Dallas and that area and being like, why can't we just be the new Oklahoma, Texas of our conference? So we need to transition to a new era. And um, I don't know. I mean, it, they might go Sunny Dykes. They might go uh, Jeff Trailer. They might go. Uh, there's been different names. Jerry Maguire, or I think is it Jerry Maguire? Something like Maguire. That. That's the agent. Yeah. Well, what's the Maguire guy? The associate head coach at Baylor. It's something like Jerry Maguire, but he was like a high school coaching legend. Um, but yeah, he's mm-hmm. been the associate head coach for Baylor for both Matt Rule and Dave Aranda. Aranda kept him around, but he's in play there. I forgot his first name, but anyway. Um, yeah, so that happened, and then obviously Texas Tech fired Matt Wells, and it looks like the same kind of guys who are in play for TCU are in play for for uh, Texas Tech. So I'll ask you these two things: Do you like the Fleck extension at Minnesota, and which do you think is the better job between TCU and Texas Tech in the new Big Twelve? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, absolutely, I like. Uh locking up pj fleck long term pj fleck honestly seems like the kind of guy that might stay somewhere like minnesota and just like 
be the guy there. You know what I mean? He just has he just has one of those different kind of personalities that I don't know. That guy just he seems wired differently than everyone else. But it's a great so, job. Like he's a hero. He's already like one of the best coaches in Minnesota history. Um, he wins doubt. enough. They their expectations aren't national title or bust. They know that they're never winning a national title at Minnesota. So it's just like no, you're. This is fun. We're we're competent every year. And I don't know if they would just accept never winning a national title. It's at Minnesota. Minnesota, Matt Green. You're oh, not winning course, a national title at Minnesota. You start with the you start with the Big Ten West. You know, oh, maybe you compete God. consistently. Oh, I mean, God. what are they six and two right now? Mm-hmm. Like they're they're legit. Like honestly, it, like in the Big Ten West race. Like Matt Green. Oh. I'm going to ask you very like this is a succinct way of doing this. Do you see in any world a four year run where they finish in the top 15 in blue chip ratio? I mean, it's just it's a long way away. You know, if you're there, okay. if you're somewhere for a decade, you, just yeah, you can know. go ahead and I'm get a bunch of four sure. and five star kids from Florida and Texas to move to Minnesota for a couple of years. Just, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's going to happen. It's why Nebraska is dead forever. Matt Green. I'm saying you're in the Big Ten. If you can compete and be good in the Big Ten, you mm. could potentially be good nationally. That's that's I'm all not, I'm saying. They can be good nationally. They can pseudo contend. I would agree with that. They can pseudo contend. Have their years where they lose a close game to Ohio State. Right. <laughs> it's like oh we're we're awesome. Like ten and two, but they were uh, ten and zero for a while, and there people were like oh Minnesota can can they make the playoff? And then you're like oh right. I think it's like they've already done that mm-hmm. in like three years that he's been there. So there's no reason to think like we've seen what Wisconsin's been you know for the last decade plus. Like there's no reason that Minnesota can't recreate what an Iowa or a Wisconsin is doing and maybe even do it a little better. Obviously Wisconsin has had probably more contending quote unquote years than Iowa has, but it's like, they've won the Rose bowl. You know, they've been, they've been in, they've won the big 10. Like I'm just, I'm not saying Minnesota is winning the big 10 anytime soon. I just don't think PJ Fleck and Minnesota accept that they're never winning a national title. I think that's the ultimate goal for everybody, right? No, it's not. What? There's no national title on the billboard at SMU. They're not putting where when it, we're going well, for a national in the title. Five. I don't. Yeah. Fair enough. But in terms of Texas Tech versus TCU, that's honestly a good question. I I would have to say TCU. Mm. Like I would agree. Just I don't know if the if the Dallas Fort Worth you know being that market really makes that big of a difference because you know you just see college towns all over uh, the country that have plenty of success that aren't huge markets but I don't know there just seems something more more legitimate about TCU than Texas Tech Texas Tech's only success is under Mike Leach and it just feels kind of gimmicky. TCU seems like they were just built in such a solid way, much more consistently, and mainly it was with defense too. So like, I feel like they produced consistently produced probably more NFL players. I would probably say than than Texas Tech with with no numbers uh, to back that up. But yeah, I would I would just think TCU just it it feels like it has a higher ceiling. I would agree. I would agree. I actually think TCU could win a national title with their resources and recruiting area. And you know, I actually think it's not crazy to. But to, it's crazy for Minnesota. How dare you, sir? I think the recruiting bed in uh, Dallas versus Minnesota might be a little bit different. Um, count out PJ Fleck, man. That guy's charisma second to none. What if we put PJ Fleck at TCU? 
PJ Fleck would have to get it had to be a lot more big time than TCU to get someone like PJ Fleck. I think PJ Fleck would only leave. He'd actually for, like a lot of sense at Florida. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, uh, like a Florida, like somewhere like he he would have to take one of those short lists, an LSU or something. Mm. Like LSU's thinking bigger though. That's probably true, but I mean, I don't know. It's, it's LSU's like, gonna be a stunner. I just can't wait because I think LSU's gonna be like a jaw dropper who they end up getting. I'm betting Dabo, but we'll see. No, there's no chance they take Dabo. There is I would I would bet my life against that. I do think they're gonna make as big a splash as possible. Like maybe even take like an NFL coach from somebody, like but I don't know. Like I think LSU I think it's I think gonna be a make, I think it's gonna be a huge, huge thing. I, I would I would I'm just gonna guess. I'm telling you, my guess is they're gonna hire someone big time, and it's they gonna. They need to. They need to play it safe. We've had this conversation before. Like, just have have just a normal guy and just win a national title and let him get fired exactly in three years and do it all over don't, again. Don't take a huge risk. Take a guy that you know is a good you know is a good coach, and he will do wonders uh, with the talent coming coming through Louisiana. Yeah, you can put Derek Mason there and win a national title. Um, I wouldn't rule anything out after Ed Orgeron, honestly. Absolutely. Um, well, let's get into our... There you go. There you go. Well, let's get into our pick this week, Matt Green. What do we have on the docket this weekend? All right, sir. Let me pull up the uh, pick we got. So, um... oh, yeah. So let me refresh you with our mm. uh, season totals. So far on the season, um, I am 55, 43, and 2 overall compared to 46, 52, and 2 uh, for yourself. Mm. And then I am 65. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I read that I read that wrong. I'm 65 and 35 overall, 55, 43, and 2 against the spread. You are 53 and 47 overall, and 46, 52, and 2 against the spread. And then we got Zeus is three and is now four and four on the year. Mm. And but starting off the pick'em, we get our three thirty CBS game. We got Auburn at Texas A and M. A and M is a four and a half point favorite at home. How do you see this one going? I'm an A and M believer now. Like I, I'm an A and M believer. It sounds like you're an Auburn believer at this point. Um, I was surprised that AM was favored. I was going to guess that Auburn would be like a two or three point home or road dog, but a road favorite. And I don't know. I think AM's figured a lot of stuff out. I love their defense. I think they're going to give Bonix a bunch of problems in this one. I think this is going to be low scoring, but I don't think this is going to be like Old Miss. I think this is just going to be a much more competent grinder. And. I, I think AM has a real shot at winning the SEC West. I, I look at the schedule. They got Ole Miss next week. They got a brutal back-to-back here. But if they survived that, beat LSU, run the table, I think the, the, the path is there for them. But I don't know. I think AM has figured a lot of stuff out, um, and I think they win this game and cover. Man, hot take. I never even considered AM winning the West, but you're right. I mean, they got over that the toughest hurdle there is in Alabama – um, are you aware of how many times... Oh, speaking of, hold on. What, speaking of, do you know who Graham... Like, Graham, I asked him, I was like, as a Georgia fan, who would you rather play in the SEC title game, Bama or A&M? And he said, Bama. Mm. That's all you need to well, know about it right now. Because I think Georgia would actually blow the doors off this Bama team after watching what they tried to do against Tennessee 
uh, two weeks ago. This is not the same Bama team. Bill O'Brien is not Steve Sarkeesian. Or it's Lane hard to say anyone will blow the doors off Alabama, though. But honestly, I think you, for like poetic justice, you want to play Alabama more than mm. Texas A&M because it's like now all of a sudden there's pressure on Georgia. Like there's pressure on Georgia either way than the number one team, but it's like there's still that external pressure on Alabama because they're Alabama, you know. So Texas A&M, that totally just kind of changes the uh, the whole dynamic of it. But as far as Auburn and A&M goes, are you aware of how many times Auburn has played at Texas A&M since they joined the SEC? <laughs> Not often. Uh, well, they're in the they're in the West, so they they play every year, you know. So uh-huh. they've gone. Oh, I thought you said Georgia. Many- yeah, I may have. I'm in Auburn. Okay. I didn't say, yeah. So Auburn has gone to Texas A&M four times mm-hmm. since joining the West. A&M has yet to beat Auburn in College Station at mm. home. And I think you hit the hit on the nose when you started talking about it. I feel like I'm feeling Auburn right now. Like they just they feel like a battle-tested team. Like they went at Penn State, at LSU, they played Georgia at Arkansas and with, with the win at Arkansas and now Ole Miss back-to-back, back, it feels like they're really finding something. And it's going to be tough to go on the road, but I just, I'm just i kind of a believer that Bo Nix is going to make enough plays to uh, to get it done. I think these two teams are so similar. I was, um, I was surprised that the over-under was at 49 because I feel like I'm a believer in both of these defenses – just making some plays. This feels like it's going to be a 20 to 17 kind of game. I just, I feel like it, I just see it being really close. And I think Auburn's going to go on the road and uh, get the win. Mm. So we disagree out of the gate. I'm going to make up some ground this week, or I'm just going to fall even more <laughs> down this hole. That's what you thought last week. I know. So, uh, we'll see. So uh, keeping it moving, we got the Buckeyes at Nebraska. And Nebraska is a 15-point home dog. And I have a fun fact for you about the 3-6 and six Cornhuskers. Okay. Nebraska, like I said, is 3-6. and six. All six losses they've had have been by one possession. Hmm. This is at home, big noon Saturday. The best broadcast in college football. That's it. There it is. Plus 15. I think Nebraska's gonna gonna do what they do and and keep it close enough and uh, and cover the spread. So I'm taking Ohio State to win, but give me Nebraska to to keep it close, like they somehow managed to do. I think if Ohio St- like coming off the playoff vibe and seeing where they were, I wonder if this is like a response to that of just being like, oh, you think we're we're because like the, the the playoff rankings were based on the eye test, right? Like that was an eye test thing. That's why you put Bama too. Um, and you put oh yeah we kind of skipped over I forgot it. yeah I was just thinking about that we did skip over but it, it's fine we'll get to it Um, but yeah I think if you want to prove to the committee that you're different and you want to move up the eye test rankings you need to blow out this this bad Nebraska team so one of the things that's changed for Ohio State is their defense which is allowing just uh, 1.9 yards rush uh, rushing yards per the last six games um penn state and indiana couldn't couldn't run on them at all 66 carries 67 yards nebraska is a run first team i think this is a bad matchup for nebraska give me the buckeyes to win and cover i think they blow them out you can ride with scott frost all you want hey they're not gonna get the win but somehow they've managed to keep it close 
And honestly, I don't think Scott Frost should get fired because I feel like keeping games close seems like <laughs> you're moving in the right direction for what Nebraska is. Like, I don't know. I they they might fire him, but Nebraska just needs to look in the mirror and understand that the '90s are never coming back. Like, they're never ever coming back. Exactly. Florida fans are acting like Nebraska these days. It's like you're Florida, Nebraska. The, they're in the past, and it's actually they're not coming back right their recruiting is not coming back there they're they're never coming back like it's just not not a thing like you're not going to be in that world anymore especially in the big 10 i think just my my theory on nebraska is the big 10 is what destroyed nebraska if they would have made a move to the pac 12 or if they would have just stayed in the big 12 i feel like just you know, having that exposure to to those teams you play against those regions like that's that those are the players you're gonna you're gonna get you know like so playing those texas schools every year like you're that's where you need to be getting some talent from i know nebraska always got a lot of talent from the west coast too it's like big 10 the talent in the big 10 states has just been on the decline for 10 20 years at this point and nebraska just jumped right in the middle of that and i think that's what ultimately destroyed their recruiting that's fair that's just my personal theory that's fair. Where are we going but, um, next? And moving on, uh, we got noon ABC. We got Wake Forest for the third week in a row. We got another top ten team that is uh, underdog to an unranked team, uh, North Carolina Tar Heels, two and a half point home favorite versus the tenth ranked Demon Deacons. What do you think about this one? So I found a. <laughs> this was from two four seven. I was uh, perusing both blogs and just seeing some stuff um, as one does. And did you know that this game does not count towards the ACC standings? Oh, is this that game? I remember hearing about that because they couldn't find a non-conference game, right? Yes. Wow, I didn't. I remember hearing about that a while ago. I didn't realize that was this game. Yeah, it was 2019 and 2021 seasons that they would be played outside the ACC scope. A way to get around the league's scheduling limitations as in-state rivals. Is that not bonkers? That's insane. So this game doesn't count for the ACC standings, folks. <laughs> well, that's the that's the crazier. Yeah, I guess that's what you have to do. But that is that is so wild. I am nervous about this one, but I think if Wake goes down, it's not to this iteration of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Like this is just a bad team, and they can't run the ball, and the offensive line stinks. Um, I don't think North Carolina's good at all. Uh, so I think Wake wins, and they cover. See, I liked how North Carolina looked last week against Notre Dame. I feel like they started to show some sort of a pulse offensively. I, you're right. I still don't think they're a good team. But I don't know. I feel like I'm just I'm still not buying Wake Forest either. So for that reason, I'm going to go North Carolina at home to win and cover. Oh, wow. This is where it ends for you with the Demon Dickens. This is what I mean. I was never really on the Demon Deacon bandwagon to begin with, if I'm being honest. Yikes! I don't know what they I did. mean. I we were running through that schedule a few weeks ago. I I was I was thinking they ended up being like a three or four loss team. So we'll see. This is the this is the start of that. We'll see if they can get out of this unscathed. We shall see. We shall see. Where are we going next? Keeping it moving. The Hugh Freeze Bowl. We got Liberty going to Oxford, Mississippi. Ole Miss is a nine and a half point favorite at home. What do you think about this one? 
this one looked a lot more interesting a few weeks ago. Um, Liberty has kind of fallen off the tracks. Like, this is going to be the most NFL scout-heavy game of the 2021 college football season. Um, Corral and Malik Willis are both probably first-round picks in the draft next year, especially in a week class. So that should be interesting. But Liberty's down. They're not very good uh, this year. And Malik Willis has kind of taken a step back. But I'm going to watch a lot of this game because I'm curious to see how these two look against one another. The Hugh Free Bowl, the Hugh Freeze Bowl, as you said. But I actually don't think it's going to be very close. I think actually Ole Miss wins and blows them out and covers. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking the same thing. I, um, I've i been critical of Ole Miss uh, some of the last few weeks, but that's just in terms of, you know, they're standing in the SEC kind of nationally, but they're, they're head and shoulders better than Liberty. This is still an explosive offense that Liberty's not going to be able to stop. So, yeah, I'm taking Ole Miss as well. Um, and keeping it moving in the Big Ten, do we have a trap game here? No, we got we don't. the uh, Michigan State Spartans going on the road. At Purdue, Purdue is a three-point home dog. This is our 330 ABC game. What are your thoughts on this one? Can we just say if, like, Purdue pulls this off, they pull off a season where they beat Iowa and Michigan State when they're both in the top three in the same season, give Jeff Brahm a statue. Like, that's a statue-worthy accomplishment. <laughs> like, we talk about schools that aren't competing for national titles. Maybe they beat Michigan and Ohio State in the same year. I don't know if we're building statues for Iowa and Michigan State well, wins. under the context, though, they're both top three schools at the time. Like, No, that's true. I mean, they could do... Like, Purdue could literally play spoiler for two Big Ten teams to be in the, the Big Ten title game. I, I love it. They're just a chaos team. Purdue's chaos team, but I also don't think David Bell is going to go off against Michigan State as he did against Iowa. And the difference with Iowa and Michigan State is obvious that uh, Michigan State can run the ball. And there is a Mr. Walker behind uh, behind Peyton Thorne that uh, Iowa does not have. Goodson is no Walker. And Michigan State's offense is legit. Peyton Thorne's kind of reckless. I don't really love him as a quarterback, but um they have dudes um and i think michigan state wins and covers i think they're fine here i think michigan state's gonna be fine until ohio state yeah i agree with you i feel like the three-point line was honestly kind of i was wondering you know is this they're overcompensating because the iowa thing yeah and i that's exactly what i think it is and i think what we're gonna find out is the iowa thing was way more uh, iowa than it was purdue Mm -hmm. i think it was really an indictment on if they don't win the turnover battle, if their offense just isn't really capable of moving the ball, and that's not the case in Michigan State. This is a this is a dynamic offense. And yeah, I think they'll I think they'll win this game easily, honestly. I agree. Um keeping it moving, we got Oklahoma State going on the road. The West Virginia Mountaineers, three point home dog. You know what time it is, sir. This this is time for our home dog of the week. Oh no. Oh no, man! Back to back, you have them doing it back to back weeks. Say say what now? So you have them doing this back to back weeks? No, I went uh, Mississippi State last week. No, I'm saying West Virginia. You you think that they're pulling this off? Man, okay. I uh, I questioned after the Texas Tech loss. You know, I questioned that mojo Mm -hmm. of uh, of Morgantown, Morgantown mojo. I like to call it. And then they be Iowa State, and you're back in. I am. Oklahoma State has not been that impressive this year. Like they they feel like they've been a team that's kind of done it with smoke and mirrors. Like not taking anything away from Oklahoma State. They're winning games, but they're just they haven't done it. Just they haven't been blowing teams out, you know, and I think that's a that's a dangerous recipe going on the road and West Virginia just just seems to be a better team at home. So 
Give me that Morgantown mojo. Going going to the Mountaineers, home dog of the week. Interesting. I am going Oklahoma State here. I think it's asking a lot of this West Virginia team to beat uh, Iowa State and OK State back-to-back weeks. Two physical games and back-to-back uh, games. But, I mean, Jared Dogie's played really, really well the, as of late for, for the Mountaineers. So I could see it. I don't feel great about it, but I also don't think Oklahoma State's going to fall off a cliff here. So give me Oklahoma State to, to win and, and uh, cover. I'll be honest. I don't necessarily want it. I want the <laughs> I want the Big Twelve. I want these Oklahoma Baylor, Oklahoma State games down the stretch to be to be real sexy matchups and be top ten matchups. So West Virginia would definitely spoil that. But um, yeah, got to go with the Mountaineers at home. Um, keeping it moving back to the SEC. This is a tough one for me. We got Mississippi State on the road. I was kind of surprised to see Arkansas as a five-point favorite at home. Like Mississippi State, where they're coming off that that ranked, uh, not ranked. They're coming off the the blowout win over Kentucky, and now they're they're into the top twenty in the in the playoff rankings. Like Mississippi State is trending in the right direction, and Arkansas seems to be trending in the wrong direction. But I I wonder how if we're kind of overreacting to Arkansas just losing to the teams in the toughest part of their schedule and then being able to right the ship like you know three losses in a row at georgia at ole miss then auburn they obviously bounced back with a cupcake last week but i feel this is going to be the game i think where we're going to learn more about how these teams are going to finish in the west like we talked about three or four weeks ago how this was just a bonkers division and i think as each week goes it gets a little the picture gets a little more clear i think lsu is clearly the worst team in the west i would say at this point i think the loser at this game is probably the sixth best team and i I think i gotta go arkansas i i I feel like mississippi state they've been solid but i just i don't know about them going on the road and i just i don't trust them completely to like to do it two weeks in a row so that's why i'm taking arkansas we disagree here i think arkansas might actually be bad there they've fallen back the other way where i'm like i think that there's something fundamentally broken about this offense um they might be i think that they're gonna finish last in the west um when i look at it i think it's either them or lsu at this point but mississippi state figures some stuff out will rogers is a leader that did what 36 to 39 last week um mississippi state's figured some stuff out too, and i think they're trending up arkansas's trending down uh give me the mississippi state to win and cover all right more disagreement uh now we're going to the conference usa we got marshall before before the demise of the conference usa because aren't both of these schools out uh they are both out aren't they this is the are these both joining the sunbelt i think fau's going to the aac and i think marshall marshall sunbelt yeah okay florida how is florida atlantic (laughs) sunbelt are you kidding me geography these uh university presidents hate geography um but yeah so we got the thundering herd yeah they're aac i just double checked uh to play florida atlantic and the owls are one and a half point home dog hmm about this one so marshall i've watched a little bit of marshall this year they're interesting charles huff the former running becks coach at alabama is coaching there and he's good and this program plays hard they run the ball hard uh wells is a good qb um i like their style the app state game was a blast um 
they're they they are averaging 37 points per game um the owls are only giving up 21.5 i marshall's nine and three all time against fau i i like marshall here but i don't feel great about giving marshall to, to win and cover all right you don't just go down to Boca Raton mm-hmm. and expect to walk away with a victory. So that's a very different environment, right? Like going from Marshall, where that is in West Virginia, where it's like in the city, kind of. Like I forgot. If you look at the geography and like the city of where like Marshall is, it's very strange looking. But then you go to Boca Raton, it's just like a retirement community or whatever. Like it's very strange. Yeah, <laughs> that's. And I wonder how many uh, how many owls fans truly live in in Boca Raton. I think what Huntington, West Virginia, is yes, that where Marshall? Yes, that's is? what it is. Yeah, I, I think that place is flooded with Mar- with diehard Marshall fans. But um, this will be a different environment for sure. But um, yeah, give me the owls to win and cover to win mm, outright. I big Willie say. Tiger guy. Exactly, you know it. Um, keeping it moving, our primetime ESPN two game, I should say. Uh, we got your Tennessee Volunteers going to Lexington, Kentucky. Kentucky is a one-point home favorite, so basically a pick 'em we got here. Do you know when the last time Kentucky beat Tennessee in back-to-back seasons, sir? I mean, it's got to be just forty years. I'm not good enough to do that math off the top of my head, but that's very close. 19, so like 43, 44 years. 1976. I was going to say, how do you majors and maybe like early Johnny majors? That I don't know. But mm. um, 1976, 1977, that was the last time Kentucky beat Tennessee. Mm. Back-to-back seasons. They beat the Vols in 2020. Can they beat the balls again in 2021? Oh, yeah. It preceded Majors. Majors never did it. He started in it's 77. That's wild. Yeah. So literally since Majors. Um, so where, which way did you go? I didn't make a pick yet. Okay. Um, no, uh, this is my lock of the week. Uh, Tennessee's winning this game. Uh, they're winning it outright, obviously. Um, this is a terrible matchup for Kentucky. They're not going to be able to keep up scoring-wise with this group. Um I think Kentucky's offense is fundamentally broken. Liam Combs has not fixed um, a lot of what Mark Stoops likes to do. It kind of reminds me of like a, uh, I don't even want to say this because it's like Kirby was dealing with this a little bit early on in his tenure, but Gary Patterson has done it um, where it's like the offense still doesn't fix. It's like, oh, I'll hire Sonny Cumbie and whoever. And it still looks like Gary Patterson's TCU where it's like his DNA still all over it. Um, So, it's still a Kentucky offense and I don't think that they're going to be able to like the bye week for Tennessee helps a lot um, in between these games. So I think they're gonna go to Lexington. I think it's gonna be cold, but I think Tennessee actually blows out Kentucky. I think it's going to be not as bad as Mizzou, but I do think Tennessee wins by two to three touchdowns. Mm. There's gonna be a lot of big plays and then it's going to get ugly pretty quick. Tennessee's the first quarter team. I'm going to say Tennessee is up 17 to nothing after the first quarter. 17 nothing. That's uh, some bold, some hot takes you, you're coming in with. So I see this being a close game, personally. I, I do not think – I think Tennessee seems to be trending in the right direction. But, like, I also – like, I don't know how much to make of what Tennessee's done so far, right? It's like they looked good versus Ole Miss, right, and almost beat them. They looked good versus Alabama – 
until the fourth quarter and you know the floodgates kind of open so i don't like i'm i feel like tennessee is the better team right now kentucky obviously the last thing we saw was them i i guess i said it was a blowout ended up being 31 17 they must have scored a touchdown late i was thinking it was 31 10 um but they did hang with georgia and i think they were they gave georgia one of the more competitive games uh this season which isn't saying much because georgia hasn't had many competitive games this year so i like i'm i want to pick tennessee I don't think it's going to be close, or I don't think it's going to be a blowout for sure, but um, I think I do have to take Tennessee, but I think it'll be a really close one, like a, a last sec. Because going on the road, that's where I still question I still question Tennessee. Like, I don't know. These are contrasting styles. This is a really tough game for me to pick because I want to pick against Tennessee just because, obviously, you're a huge Tennessee fan. You know, I want us to disagree here. Yikes. <laughs> you just want my suffering. Okay, got it. Noted. No, I want. I feel like it's better. It's better for the for the audience for us to disagree about <laughs> a Tennessee. Team. Well, we have that but, next um, week. We have that coming next week. Fair enough. So I feel like Kentucky's going to give them a game. I think they're going to play much better than they did at Mississippi State last week. I think they're going to be back at home, and I think they're going to be able to run the ball some. But I don't think they're going to be able to stop Tennessee's offense enough. And like you said, I, I see this being I see this being a close game into the into the fourth quarter for sure, and maybe Tennessee pulls it out by like a touchdown. So he had a seventy three to thirteen um, advantage in the first quarter after his first five games at UT this year. Um, there That's is strong. something to be to be said about like the way Hypel starts games, and I think Kentucky's terrible playing from behind. I think they're a team that has to establish stuff early. And if they're not up 10 to three midway through the second, after forcing a couple three and outs and maybe a turnover where they're just controlling time of possession and keeping Tennessee off the field. And then when Tennessee does go in, they have a three and out. Cause that has been a problem for them. It's like Hypel's third and one play calling has been atrocious as of the last couple weeks. That's my only Hypel play calling complaint. It's like for whatever reason, third and one is just uh it's just a disaster for him. So hopefully he cleans that up this week, but he does these halfback dives at the middle when the offensive line can get no push and he does it with uh, Jabari small and it's just, it doesn't work. Uh, but Tion should be back in this one. Um, he's going to scheme guys open. Like that's something that's unavoidable. And this is what Graham and I were talking about. It's like, if you don't like this guy is fearless, like you could be down 37 to 10 against Georgia next week. And he's going to still keep scheming Cedric Tillman open downfield. And Georgia's not going to be prepared because it was a quick, quick snap and a, on a quick count. And there you go. 17 points done. They just beat the record for the most amount of points on Georgia. It's like, that's going to happen because he doesn't stop. And this group doesn't stop with the way they play. Um, it's a track meet. Like they have the fastest plays in the country, right? Like I sent you that stat and you're like, this is a weird thing to talk about your, your speed. It, uh, it is a, it is a, a, a kind of a weak flex. Just how many plays you're running. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's cool. I think production of those plays is a lot, is a lot cooler, but, but like you said, baby steps, just year one. Well, I also just like when McElroy was complaining about on the broadcast in the Bama game, I'm like, how do you think we stay with Bama? It's wearing them out. Like, what? we don't have the talent. What do you mean? Like, this is the reason. Like, we have to do this to stay in the game, to give us an opportunity so that when Cedric Tillman has that over-the-top bomb, it's because Bama's tired. You have to do it. Like, there's no way around it. That's how you stay in games when you don't have the talent. No, that's fair. And, and uh, I think Kentucky... Kentucky's just a very solid team. Like, they're, they're very similar to Arkansas. Like, I... 
like I, I, I don't want to write them off just yet, but it feels like they're both trending in the wrong direction. But you know, they could they could easily bounce back. Like they're they're six and two right now. Like this, they could easily bounce back, be a ten and two team, nine and three team. I think nine and three is honestly the expectation at this point. So I, I I'm definitely not as bullish on Tennessee as you are. Um, I think Kentucky is still a, a quality opponent, and I think the home atmosphere is going to help keep this game close. Tennessee's the best team in the SEC, or second best team in the SEC East. We're going to find that out this weekend. Um, I don't know. I mean, they still did lose handedly to Florida. It wasn't handedly. As after the third quarter, it busted everyone with the depth. It wasn't handedly. What was it wasn't like handedly. Eight fourteen or something. That you have to watch the game. It's just like the Bama game. What did the final score end up being? Fifty-two to something. Yeah, but I mean, you'd have to say Bama, Bama was literally yeah. down. They were down in the third quarter. They were feeling all kinds of pressure going no, into. Bama the, wasn't down in the. Th- no, I'm saying they were down. They were nervous. Oh, was, oh, oh, oh. The game was still very much in doubt. Like it was up in the air which way it that was. game could go. Was it 31-24? Yes. Uh, when Tennessee scored early in the fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was a game then, but. You also gave up four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Well, we gave up at the end. Like that was one of those where <laughs> but they. But I mean, you gotta. You gotta watch the game. The point. What I'm saying is, count. what I'm I am saying, saying. Tennessee gave Alabama a game. I would never. I would never argue with that. But Bama still won handedly. Okay. <laughs> I mean, both could be true. Great. But what I'm saying is, like, if you played Florida, Tennessee now, and someone made the point on Tennessee Twitter where it's like, we need to be playing Florida at the end of the season. Like, it seems like we would always play Florida better if that was an end of the season game, not a beginning of the season. Like, if I think our record against Florida would be different um, if that were the case. I think Tennessee's gotten a lot better since that game, and I think Florida's gone the other way. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I always felt that way about Georgia with South Carolina. Mm-hmm. but it was just always an ugly game and what with Spurrier there like Georgia would just play their ugliest games and by the end of the year be a better team but have like a a 10 to a 12 to 10 loss to South Carolina early in the year yeah I think that's what it is with Florida so I think it would just be different I could be wrong but I do think Tennessee is the second best team in the east um that could be that could end up being true um so we have another disagreement oh yeah we didn't disagree I, I ended up going with tennessee okay I, you do have tennessee winning her. okay yeah I raise the banner next week i'm gonna email Dondi plowman about it of just being like hey can we raise a if we score the most on georgia this year can we get put a banner in kneeling <laughs> 17 points versus the number one ranked defense yeah um hey they gotta do it first all right they, well i mean they, this they is the best offense out. georgia's played in scoring like we're number 12 i believe in the country georgia hasn't played anyone close to that at this point i think florida is the closest and they're like 45th I would say Auburn probably, right? They're up no. to like 35 a game or so. Maybe Auburn is higher now, but they were lower. I'd have to double check that. Um, but no, Tennessee will be for sure. And uh, keeping it moving out to the Mountain West, we got Boise State going at Fresno State, and the Bulldogs are a five-point home favorite. I like Fresno State to get it done. Mm. Auburn moved up to 25th, by the way. Okay. Okay. Um, but Tennessee, though, right there, right there with the with the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, but yeah, I think Fresno State's better than. Um, I mean, uh, San Diego State, I should say, is better than Boise State, and mm-hmm. Fresno just beat them last week. So I'm, I like Fresno to get it done. If Boise loses this game, they fall below 500. We're near in mid-November. When have we ever talked about a below 500 Boise team at this point in the season? 
Man, that is a good question. I feel like Boise State, I think, is like the winningest program in college football over the last 20 years. That's what I'm saying. It's like, this is actually kind of bonkers to see this. They're four and four at this point. Um, They're fighting for 500. Um, Give me, so this is something, Hank Bachmeyer is actually having a great year for Boise, oddly enough. Um, 65% completion percentage, 7.9 yards per attempt, three to one touchdown ratio. Um, The last time these two teams have played, it was 2018 though, weirdly enough. And it was when Fresno beat Boise in the Mountain West title game, um, which was played in Boise. Uh, All that being said, give me Boise here. Give me Boise in the upset. All right. Yeah. And um, to answer your inquiry, Boise State has been playing Division One football for 26 seasons since 1996. Mm-hmm. Went 2-10 in 96, 4-7 in 97, and they have not had a losing record since. Wow. So, And then they went 6-5 and five in 98, and they haven't won less than eight games since then, not counting 2020 playing a seven-game schedule. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. In 26 years, just eyeballing it, it looks like they have about 20 double-digit win, win seasons. Mm. Where are we going next? And our last one on the pick we got the Roadrunners. Texas-San Antonio going on the road, and they are Roadrunners, <laughs> at UTEP. And UTEP is an 11-point home dog. But I like the Roadrunners to uh, to go on the road and put some points on the board. Mm. UTEP, 5-0 and against the spread last five games. Um, the Miners in El Paso, after being awful for like 15 years straight, figured some stuff out this year. Go, go UTEP. Um, U- so why, do you think one, why do you think one goes UTSA and the other goes UTEP? Why aren't they UTEP? Well, I think it... UTEP just or, sounds cool. Or UTSA. I was going to say, it's, I think it's just a pronunciation. Like, you can't UTSA. do... UTSA doesn't sound as cool as UTEP. No, UTEP sounds cool. That doesn't get the kids going? Okay, no. UTSA. Go UTSA. Um, UTSA. Yeah, I don't sounds think that works. Thing. <laughs> I don't think that works. Um, they're 6-2 and two all time against UTEP. Uh, Roadrunners are good, man. Jeff Trailer is a elite group of five yeah, coach. Legit. He's going to be... This is his last year in uh, San Antonio. Uh, so give me... Give me the Roadrunners. Keep it going. All right. Lock it in. That is the end of our pick You know what game did not make our pick Which one? That would be Alabama LSU. How the mighty have fallen. It's just insane. Like this game, it, it, it went from being basically the CBS just designated night game for about a decade straight to now, you know, we just – we're not we're not thinking anything about this game for for the second year in a row so it's kind of crazy mm. yeah and, um well there's a couple other games on this calendar that i wanted to run through um georgia mizzou i'm guessing you you're not really concerned about that one you're, you're gonna be able to run on them but we'll see if they get other guys involved i'm curious to see if it's still the zoo show or yeah they get... i i could not have been more wrong about missouri uh, this year like mm. seeing them play vanderbilt as close as they did last week and connor basilak i believe got hurt in that game so i'm not 100 percent sure if basilak is going to be healthy for this one so for his health i would not play if i was basilak <laughs> so if that's the case then yeah i mean this won't even be close so yeah georgia should should take care of business pretty easily as a georgia fan 
I don't have stats to back it up, but a 38-point favorite versus an SEC team, I don't think I've seen a spread that big, maybe ever. I guess excluding Vanderbilt, but yeah, I saw 38 as the opening number for that, and I well, that that was a that's a huge one. But this defense, they might give up seven points to Missouri, so I could see them doing it. Do you know how much you can get a ticket or how much it costs to get a ticket for Cal at Arizona at three o'clock on the Pac-12 network on Saturday? Oh. Uh, is it 10 bucks? Tickets as low as $5. Wow. The worst power five team in the country versus Cal. Who's just had a season from hell. Um, yeah, not good. Not good. Army air force. I'm taping. It's on CBS 1130 in Arlington Choctaw stadium. Yeah, I got a buddy who's uh, his his company is doing a lot of work for that game. He's oh, really? A big Auburn fan, and so he was out in Arlington. So he, I think he was able to do some work, and then he's going to make the trip to A and M Auburn. So that should be a, that should be a fun weekend. Yeah, uh, Penn State at Maryland. Maryland has a chance to get back on the right track there. I can see Maryland pulling that one out. Um, NC State at Florida State. It's worth monitoring. I'm curious to see how Florida State comes up. And that one, uh, Georgia Southern Coastal with Clay Helton. Now <laughs> at Georgia Southern going from L.A. to Statesboro, Georgia. Um, Iowa at Northwestern, if you hate yourself, at 7 o'clock. Um, Oregon at Washington. Man, Iowa has fallen off, right? Like You could not pay me to watch the full game of Iowa Northwestern. I am not watching those two offenses play football for 16 and a half minutes. Over, under. Ooh, under. That, that surprises me. Yeah, I don't... I don't see either team score more than 20. Do you know what game I am taping late at night, though? Do you know what my late taping is? What's that? San Diego State at Hawaii, 11 o'clock on FS1. Oh, there you go. That's going to be a good one. Texas, Iowa State, FS1 at 7.30. That's something to monitor. Clemson at Louisville. Um, yeah, not. this is kind of a weak slate this week. Kind of weak. Hey, that, hey, that's what uh, that's what people always say when we have a crazy. Weekend. I was gonna say, yeah, now so, it's just gonna be a crazy, like just yeah, we'll we'll see. College football, you never know what you're gonna get. That's true. Like a box like of a, chocolates. Like a box of chocolates, precisely. End it with a Forrest Gump reference. Well, Matt, we can find you on Twitter.com at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Check you out there. Fun Sir. facts for you. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it last night. Forrest Gump was the number one movie in America the last time the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. There you go. That's a good factoid. I like that. There you go. I like that. Um, Matt Green, always a pleasure, my friend. I will talk to you this weekend. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.